0: Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome to the next episode of my Save Bed Show. In this episode, I shall be talking to Kate DeBorn, Vice President, Strategic Communications and Responsibility at the American Gaming Association, and we shall cover all things Responsible Gambling with a particular focus on the ongoing Responsible Gambling Education Month. Kate has done such a phenomenal job by then and for the gambling industry that uh, it struck me that she had had a career, a different career, before having joined the industry. You actually started at Ogilvy Public Relations, where you led numerous social change-focused projects and efforts. Then you moved on to working on a project called Project Time Off, and that was a national advocacy campaign on behalf of the U.S. travel association so here comes the question a lot of folks out there believe and would argue that our industry the gambling industry is somewhat different or special based on your your experience with this industry and the other industries would you agree are we a special industry Uh, that's a great question
1: Uh, i didn't know quite what i was getting into when i joined the AGA the american gaming association um, but what I've learned is that this is a very unique industry. It's highly regulated at the state of state and federal level here in the US. And um, you know, that comes with a lot of nuance that a lot of industries don't have to deal with. Um it's very competitive. It's interesting um with a membership-based organization to when you're trying to drive consensus, uh, how to get there and, and find the issues that we can kind of move ahead because of that. Um, it's also both nascent and mature, you know, the, the retail industry, the brick and mortar casinos have been around for decades, whereas online gaming sports betting is very new and we're still navigating that future. So, um, it's, it's definitely been, um, interesting to learn those kind of curves and and nuances about the industry. And, you know, I think what's most interesting to me or kind of the fun thing that I've learned is. Um, the footprint of this of u s gaming, so we're in forty four states nine hundred and eighty nine casinos or thereabouts and in countless communities, and learning the stories of what um the industry has done to impact those communities. I remember one of my first events was for responsible gaming education week back in two thousand nineteen, and we had a florist uh who was uh working with one of the local casinos and she was telling the story about what the casino coming to their community meant or and there's a kind of cleaner there who had worked on the construction site and then got the contract for the casino and now has 30 employees and so uh, i don't think there's a broad appreciation for what our industry does and, ha- and learning that has been a really rewarding experience
0: and you've definitely been together of course with the ag at the forefront of at least trying to change that perception because uh... I've been in this industry, albeit mainly on the online and sports betting side mm-hmm. of things for 13 years. And just like you, I can't think of any other industry that I'd like to join. I think it would be too painful to leave the <laughs> industry, especially right now. But perhaps if you were to pick up one fact that you would consider the most mind-boggling and most bizarre one about the industry? It may be an unfair question, but if there was one thing that would left you completely downfounded in connection with the industry, what would that be? That's a hard one, and
1: it's a good question. I mean, I think it's it's interesting. It's not maybe a specific fact, but, um, but casinos are also banks. You know, you don't, I think a lot of people don't appreciate the the... Um, amount of kind of money and um, security that goes into a casino. We all have, you know, I think we all think of Oceans 11 when we think of those types of things. But, you know, it's Oceans 11 times 989 casinos across the country and the different ways they do that. It's, I think, really interesting and um, evolving, especially with payments modernization.
0: I would even go as far as arguing that casinos are many more things than just banks, of course. You know, of course. With, I, with restaurants and shows yes, and, and yes. all that. But yeah, no, that's 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 a great point to call out. And perhaps if I may move on to talking about the American Gaming Association, and perhaps set the record straight that you guys do not necessarily focus on Ocean's 11-like <laughs> schemes. Though I, I do, do believe... <laughs> Perhaps Ocean's 13 or The 7 <laughs> by now, The Magnificent 7. Anyway, I, I would believe that, yeah, it would be rather foolish to think that uh, anybody who would come across this podcast would have never heard about the famous H-E-A, the American <laughs> Gaming Association. But for those arguably very, very few. Would you mind telling the audience a little more about the organization itself, what the mission is? And perhaps without trying to put you on spot, going back to your point about, not saying conflicted interests, but the broad variety of interests of your guys being a broad church, how do you go about accommodating all those interests? I'm sure that everybody would love to hear more about that.
1: Sure. Uh, So the AGA is... uh about 25 years old um and uh, we're here in Washington DC and our mission is to f- foster a policy and business environment where legal regulated gaming thrives uh our members uh are wide ranging so we have commercial and tribal members we have um operators um ranging from the the large resorts and big names you know to smaller casinos that are more regional and um, we have su- <coughs> suppliers so those who make the products that go into casinos and and fuel the back end of the industry technologies payment providers um it's a wide range and that means that you know when we're working to advance our issues uh, there's a lot of consensus building that goes into that and we're picking the issues that we know are going to make a difference to the broadest um, uh, remit of our membership um you know specifically we're looking you know we we rolled out a new strategic plan earlier this year uh, it's looking at the next three years and our goals around that, and um, you know, one, creating an environment for growth and momentum. So that's cultivating champions here in Washington D.C. The re- reason that AJ exists is to um build a voice in Washington and advance our our um policy uh priorities here in D.C. And um, that's you know shutting down the illegal market, a huge effort for us right now, and. I'm going after offshore operators and unregulated illegal machine manufacturers here in the U.S. and to bolster the industry's reputation. We're the, you know, first line of defense and setting the record straight and, and advancing that conversation about how the industry is responsible, uh, in our communities. It's, you know, driving effective and efficient regulation uh, and then bolstering our industry's commitment to responsible leadership, which is a huge part of my job.
0: Oh, absolutely. And it's truly appreciated by the industry. Going back to the critical point you made in connection with the black market, Mm -hmm. you've already touched upon certain ways how that could be addressed. So what what would you think is is the recipe for stamping out the black market? I suppose I'll try to avoid naming any names, but sadly, at least still relatively recently, even the big U.S. papers the mm-hmm. new york times of this world they yeah. would still have given would have given time and space to the bovardas of this world which in my view is v- at the very least and putting it very mildly rather misleading from the consumer perspective so is it about educating mm-hmm. the folks outside of the industry and what else in your view needs to be done in that respect
1: sure there's a number of things at play one is consumer education uh so making sure that you know we're Helping people understand legal options. And that comes from advertising. It's a huge reason why um, the industry invests in advertising is to help people differentiate between legal and illegal operators. It's, you know, educating the ecosystem broadly. So we send near daily emails to media outlets in the US who haven't figured out the legal operators from the illegal operators. And sometimes it's as confounding as Um, flagging to some of these media outlets, hey, did you know you have a relationship with this legal sportsbook and you should use their odds instead of, you know, this nefarious actor? And then, you know, a big push that we've been focusing on this year is around, um, you know, getting law enforcement action uh, with the Department of Justice earlier this year. um, AGA's CEO, Bill Miller, sent uh, a letter to um, Attorney General Merrick Garland to, you know, raise the ante here, making sure that um, all levels of law enforcement, federal, state, local, understand that they have a role to play in stamping out the illegal market. And you know, that's not gonna happen overnight. Uh the legal market is only what, three and a half, four years or four years old at this point, going on five. And um, you know, we've seen the growth. We have, you know, lots of research that shows Americans are migrating and they understand, you know, nine and ten sports bettors believe they should bet with legal operators and um so we're winning we're winning the fight, but it's a it's a long war against them.
0: yeah, I can't agree, more. It's shaping up to be a, a long term battle, but I would totally agree with your statement today fact like, that as an industry again being spearheaded by your organization we've started winning the fight and also this is a perfect segue into my next question and the next segment of this podcast which revolves around well sports betting for starters and then if we may we'll also move on to online casino but let's stick to sports betting for now because at the risk of stating the very obvious it has taken the US market already. Market, markets I believe it would be misleading to say or to call it The US market. So let's say the US as a country by storm. Actually, today, for the record, is the 8th of September. So we're only hours away from the kickoff of the next football season. Bills v Rams. Let's see how that one pans out. The big one, of course. So from today onwards, actually, there's a very fair chance that our screens will once again be flooded. We have a lot of sports betting adverts and uh, $5,000 risk-free bets and and all that jazz. So in your view, is this a strategy or an approach that would be sustainable in the long run? And I totally appreciate that a lot of operators lately will come on to that. They've uh, uh, really had a strategic rethink and perhaps those allegedly multiple $1,000 free bets won't feature as prominently. But anyway, the volume of advertising, do you think that this is sustainable in the long run?
1: I mean, I don't think uh, we're going to see the same level of advertising, you know, as this m- market matures. Um, you know, it's only four years old, really. And so, and if you, in earnest, you would probably say that last year's uh, NFL season was, you know, the first true legal sports betting season with the the mass um growth of the market between 2018 and into 2021. Um, so th- there's that's the starting point. This is a nascent market and we need to drive um awareness of our product and of the legal market just like any other industry. Um, part of that is then it's new. So people are like, what's this new thing I'm hearing about? I see it all the time now. You know, I'm sure we all have the it was crypto earlier this year, many years ago is dot-coms. So there's always going to be something um, that is picking up attention because it's new. Um, and then there's seasonality to it. There's going to be spikes. I imagine the next couple months, you know, there's going to be more sports betting advertising. We can all understand and appreciate that. Um, or March Madness, or when a new market goes live, you know, we'll see a few markets go live this year with Ohio towards the end of the the calendar year. Maryland is working towards mobile launch. Um, and there's, you know, Massachusetts is out there. Uh, so those markets are going to see an increase because, you know, uh, our operators are going into when win their customer share. Um, but I will say, you know, we have done this in a way that is proactive. So out of the gate, the AGA and our membership came together to create the responsible marketing code for sports wagering and set a standard for what advertising looks like in a responsible landscape. And um that's not targeting underage or um other populations. It's the mandating inclusion of, you know, RG and, and PG resources. And we're continuing to evaluate that and, and grow with it. But I'd also say that it's not just up to the industry here. There's a lot of players uh, in this space that are new leagues, broadcasters, and they all have a responsibility here. And, you know, for example, like Truly Brass Tacks each league set and broadcaster sets the standard for how many ads are on their airwaves. So I think, you know, everyone has a role to play here and, and we'll see some rationalization and we've already seen it uh, throughout the last season.
0: I totally believe that this is in the the, the critical point. Yeah, the onus is on the industry, but not just on the industry because you've already answered my next question, which was going to be an unfair leading question. So <laughs> I take it you would agree with me saying that the industry does need to take foot of the paddle a little bit, focus on more sustainable advertising. For those who wouldn't have come across it yet, I believe uh, today, even today or yesterday, DraftKings launched their new responsible gambling campaign with The mess and Tony Hawk. And I believe that's definitely, definitely the, the way to go. But as you've just pointed out, and I would subscribe to that as well. Yeah, there are others in this space who have the liability for making sure that advertising is sustainable and uh, and reasonable and responsible going forward especially the broadcasters perhaps cynically speaking and that would be my take on it for what it's worth you know the broadcasters they're always quite good at gauging the public mood and i can imagine that not in the new states to your other point but in the states that have regulated some time ago, I can imagine that that populace might be getting rather fed up with all those adverts on or sports betting adverts on TV.
1: We do tracking around kind of public perception and, um, you know, it's pretty steady. Um, it went up last year and has continued kind of at that rate. Uh, but you know, most Americans are seeing, or, or more Americans, I should say, are seeing RG advertising. So. I think we're, you know, appreciating that, you know, as we advertise for our business, we also have to advertise about responsibility and creating a a sustainable marketplace. Our research shows that fifty six percent of Americans recall RG advertising in the last year, and that's an increase from twenty two percent in two years. So I, I believe that we've been proactive about this from the beginning, and we're continuing to invest in the right places. You know, the the DraftKings ad I was particularly excited about because I could, I showed it to my stepdad and I was like, now you can understand what I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, he, he's a big wrestling fan. I was like, this is, this is how, you know, this is, you know, part of the partnership I have. Um, and, and I think that's part of it. We're collaborating more and more and, um, and that is paying off in how uh, Americans and our customers and policymakers see us.
0: I should definitely show the advert to my mom for the record, she's not a wrestling fan, <laughs> but for the last 13 years, she's really struggled to figure out what I actually do. So perhaps. <laughs> and hopefully, fingers crossed that advert will help hammer that home. And before we move on to talking about a couple of projects that are Without any shadow of doubt, very close to your heart, I have a game plan and, uh, well, we are right in the thick of it, the Responsible Gambling Education Month. Perhaps one final regulatory question, if I may, and I believe it's, it's rather pertinent. We've talked about the sports betting bonanza, that avalanche of regulation up and down the nation. That's one thing. Well, on the other hand, online casino, or as they started calling it in Ontario, iGaming, that's been... Rather a slow burner. So would you have any views as to why that may be, you know, those 30 plus states to have regulated sports betting? And I believe the, the number, the count is seven or eight for online casino and poker.
1: Yeah, it's it's been an interesting thing because, you know, I started at the AGA in 2019 and have seen the the two growth trajectories and um, they're not parallel. Um, but interestingly, the the revenue and the tax created from that revenue is parallel. Um, and so there's more opportunity in, in iGaming for, for states in terms of tax revenue. And I think part of it is, you know, gaming is less familiar. Sports betting, Americans have been doing that for a very long time, regardless of whether there's a legal market or not. And so people understand that they know, you know, everyone watches sports, presumably most people, perhaps not everyone. Um, and so it's more of an education, uh, to understand what the, op- the opportunity is there and, and, you know, why that's a, um, a place to advance legalization in each state. You know, that said, it's up to each state to decide what's right for, you know, their constituents and what their legal market looks like. And, I, I would say that, um as we think about you know where future growth comes from in the iGaming gaming space, we should be thoughtful about you know sports betting because i I think a lot of policymakers are going to be looking to see how that all shakes out in terms of advertising and problem gambling and all of those and other kind of compliance issues before they greenlight any additional legalization in the online space. so i I believe part of it is um, getting. This opportunity right with legal sports betting before there's further pursuance of other legalization.
0: And actually looking from my window at the Empire State Building, I believe that uh, next year's New York State legislative session might be the perfect litmus test for the future of uh, online casino in this country and indeed as you've pointed out of course with the notable exception of my wife most people watch (laughs) sports with the season coming up i will have to start hiding and find a a few minutes to watch a couple of games but brushing that aside because when you play sports you need to have a game plan and the same goes for betting when you bet you do need to have a game plan and uh, if i may call it that uh to have a game plan program, a very well-respected one that uh, the AJ has launched is, I believe, one of your babies, one of your brainchilds. So you have been leading on that, that charge. So again, for those arguably few who wouldn't have ever come across it, would you mind calling out the key features of the program, the objectives, and even more importantly, the partners, sure. including from within the world of sports? Have a game
1: plan is uh, something that uh, Casey Clark and I here at the AGA uh, worked to develop in late 2019 as a means to kind of level up what the industry is already doing on uh, consumer education and um, industry perception. So um, each operator, each supplier has their own responsible gaming program, and we wanted to create a platform by which we were bringing operators, suppliers, and the industry to the table, as well as Um, you know, sports leagues, teams, media, anyone who has a vested interest in sports betting. So it's a very flexible campaign. Have a game plan, bet responsibly. Some of our partners um, like NASCAR or the New York Jets, they've opted to do, you know, um, no one to pit or no one to lay up for the PGA Tour. So we've had a few customizations of it and that was intentional. All of our partners know their audience the best. We are here to provide a platform to talk about responsible gaming and, and provide that expertise. So um, since 2019, we ha- we've built the campaign to more than 30 partners. And Tain, uh, BetMGM are, are part of our, our campaign and great partners in advancing the message. And um, we've seen that continued growth. We're excited to have some new um, league announcements hopefully later this year and um, see where we can break through with media. Um, because you know as we've talked about throughout this conversation and I know Martin, and you I mean, kind of firmly believe in is responsibility isn't just up to the gaming industry there's a, an ecosystem here um that we're working together to advance this conversation and and have a game plan as one means of doing that we made it simple we talk about you know uh, customers should set a budget and stick to it keep it social know the odds keep it legal play with trusted licensed operators so you know we're we're pri- trying to reach new customers around um this message by activating on um the platforms that already exist among our partners
0: and and uh, indeed thanks for giving us the opportunity yeah one of the many proud partners to have engaged with the program and to your other point, it's also great to see that the major leagues and the like have jumped on the bandwagon because I would suggest that what we need in this space are ambassadors. That's why at our end, we've been working with the likes of Charles Oakley because uh, a few people may be listening to me, more people, with all due respect will be listening to you, but if you got the likes of Charles or Amani Tuma, then you know. Everybody's hanging on their lips and they have definitely they have definitely bought into all the tenets behind responsible gambling. So if the folks get to hear it from them, then the message really reverberates. In a similar vein, coming hand-in-hand on the back of the Have a Game Plan program, we are, as I've already said, we're going through the Responsible Gambling Education Month. It's no longer just a Responsible Gambling Education Week. This is the first time the industry, the U.S. industry, is having a whole Dedicated month. So, could you walk us through the thinking behind the metamorphosis or evolution from having a week to having a month, and what triggered that very welcome and laudable change?
1: Yeah. So, uh, Responsible Gaming Education Week uh, was created by the AGA back in the nineteen nineties, and was a you know the the goal of the week has remained the same. It's to educate consumers and employees on responsible gaming practices. Uh, And to elevate, you know, the work that we do day in and day out to create a responsible environment for our players. This expansion is reflective of the growth of the industry and our commitment to responsible gaming. So uh, last year, uh, you know, it was still a week. And at the end of the week, I think I had done something like seven webinars and five business days. And everybody was just, you know, really invested in this time to talk about responsible gaming. And we got the feedback from our membership that... Why isn't it a month? Why aren't we taking the opportunity to talk about this over an extended period of time? So, um, expanding it to a month reflects our our growing commitment, but also allows everyone the opportunity to you know engage more and and advance the conversation. So, uh, we're excited to see all the great activation. We're only a weekend right now, and I imagine by the time uh, this airs, uh, there'll be. A full month of you know great content and announcements and investments in this space that we should all be proud of and and it's you know while it's only a month it is something that is reflective of our you know year uh, and the priority we place on responsible gaming
0: yeah, absolutely are there any highlights on this year's agenda you'd like to call out for the audience yeah so we
1: you know decided to when we expanded it to a month wanted to provide some you know themes so people could um arrange the work and activations they're doing uh in kind of a organized way, so uh our first week was about empowering customers to play responsibly and and really focused on consumer education uh The second week is around legal regulated gaming and how it protects players, so you know when we talk about the illegal marketplace, you know those operators we can call them that. Um, they don't have any commitments to responsible gaming. They don't have any protections on problem gambling. They don't pay any taxes that go to fund those resources. They don't invest any of their own money or do any employee training. And so, there's a real distinction uh, around responsible gaming when it comes to the legal versus illegal market. And we wanted to highlight that. Our third week is about employees. They're the front lines of responsible gaming, and um, you know, we should invest day in and day out in you know training and empowering them to. Be advocates in this space and to understand the role they play in, in building uh, a, a healthy environment to keep betting fun uh, and then finally, closing the month out talking about uh, the use of technology to advance responsible gaming um, and that ranges from you know the help the conversations we're having in the us about the helpline and modernizing that effort and allowing more streamlined resource it also goes to um, technology to help people. Set limits and um, uh, empower them to understand their play and, and, and create a responsible program for themselves
0: now, if I may pick out one of the important one of the important messages you've just set out, I believe it's the one around empowering our staff and folks across the industry to become champions and ambassadors of the great laudable idea of responsible gambling so that it trickles down and trickles through the wider public. And then, as you pointed out, even your stepfather, even my mum, might figure out what it is that we actually do Thanks. for living. <laughs> so yeah, everybody, please stay tuned. A lot to come between, well, today's recording and the end of the month when this episode is expected to I'm sure lots of great initiatives and really the industry stepping up its efforts even further well we're we're, we're hitting the the home straight and uh, normally and uh, today will be no different before I give Kate the rather unenviable opportunity to have 60 seconds to convey her key messages, I I would be really remiss, we normally, we've already talked about sports so I would be remiss in my duties to sports fans out there, (laughs) it's not ESPN perhaps one day Uh, I would definitely be letting the podcast audience down if I didn't ask about your sport allegiances. I may be completely wrong here, but as a DC resident I will I will ask about the DC team. So, the Nationals not not that great, but do you think that the Commanders with the new name will step up this season and that the Capitals led by the Great number eight, O V Will we discover our twenty eighteen mojo? What's your take on the upcoming football and hockey seasons? Well,
1: DC is a sports town, uh, and I'm definitely uh, you know number one a Nationals fan. Uh, I had Teddy, they had the racing presidents at Nationals Park, and uh, Teddy, the racing president, uh, came to my wedding. Uh, so oh, awesome. a committed uh, fan of the Nationals. Uh no, I'm excited for um both the upcoming football uh season. The commanders are actually one of our have a game plan partners and have been leaders in that space. So I'm uh I think they have some good momentum headed into this season with their uh rebrand and um really being thoughtful about that. So excited to see what they what they deliver on the field. And then um the Capitals, uh I don't, I don't know what's gonna happen on the ice, but also another great have a game plan partner and um, we're excited to you know the they play literally out my window, so
0: uh hopefully we'll get <laughs> a few games in the season. I hope you will. Well, we should wish both teams the best of luck, and now is your time to to shine even more and cement your place in the gambling hall of fame in the future. <laughs> so your sixty seconds to deliver your key messages. Ideally, of course, about gambling and responsible gambling.
1: Sure, you know I would uh. Take this time to really focus on the US as an industry leader uh, across the globe in responsibility and just not in our leadership but leaning into responsibility we've seen it in our data you know nine in ten past year sports betters have seen at least one RG resource they find um they're hearing more about responsible gaming and the resources available and um, how we want to create a sustainable environment so, um, it's incumbent on everyone to keep that going. That's, you know, operators and suppliers in our industry understands that commitment. It's foundational to who we are and has been for decades. Um, but it's also important for others in this space to understand their responsibility for responsibility and and collaborate a- across, uh, you know, interests. You know, we can always find commonalities to advance this and, and um, work together instead of um, working apart. Um, whether that's marketing and advertising or um, a broader dialogue on what the future of responsible gaming is or what we've been doing with helpline modernization. There's room for collaboration and the the payoff comes in building a sustainable marketplace. And um, I would be remiss if I didn't put a plug in for uh, Global Gaming Expo. G2E is coming up uh, October 10th through uh, 13th in Las Vegas. And we have a really fantastic slate of responsible gaming content and uh, sessions to come and and dialogue to be had. So hope to see you all there uh, as we continue to elevate the conversation and push forward.
0: Amen to that. I should also say that Kate might be the very first guest who's by and large stuck to those 60 seconds. So well done, thanks again (laughs) for coming onto the show. It was a great pleasure and privilege to, to have you. And, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Martin Lichka, and this was yet another episode of My Safe Bet Show. See you next time.